0: That's why you get
1: two weeks to prepare, Roland. So, hello, and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. This week, we'll be looking at the Pro Bowl, truly the pinnacle of the NFL season. Uh, we'll be taking some news, some questions from the listeners, and obviously looking to, I suppose, uh, kind of that, that secondary game, the, the Super Bowl that's happening on Sunday. So, hey, we got Connor here, and we got Roland. Hello. How Are
0: we getting on, Ronan? any crack? Yeah, going all right. Uh, it's snowing down here at the moment. Uh, snowing? Why? Wow. Yeah. So. I don't know Cork seems to get a lot more snow these days like when the Beast from the East came in last year I was talking to my family who obviously live up in Cavan. they're like eh, it's barely snowing at all and down here it's like oh there's like a few inches of whatever, like that so I don't know Cork has become the snowy part of Ireland apparently uh, so it's a bit chilly on the willy as they say but uh, otherwise staying well and warm now at this point and uh, looking forward to you know the, the big game on Sunday Oh yeah, yeah, well, looking back to the big game on Sunday, I suppose more. Well, they're it. both big games, you know. Like, that is the last game, so it's just like yeah, you're like an addict with your last uh, hit, you know. You're going to that's take advantage
1: it. of it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crappy weather up here as well. I've been indoors the last few days, just doing a study. I had my assignment doing, so I'm now finished with risk management and futures and puts and call options and all that kind of crap for the immediate future, at least. So that's good. Happy with that. Uh, yeah, apart from that, not too much. I watched some of the highlights from the game on the weekend, obviously, after watching it over and over several times. But uh, I suppose we should just fly straight on in to the news. Uh, so first up, we'll look at the hirings and firings, uh, much more hirings and firings, but uh, Kansas City have hired Steve Spagnolo to be their new defensive coordinator. This comes after the firing of Bob Sutton uh, after what was, let's be honest, a tumultuous year, uh, maybe more than one year with Sutton in role. Uh, A lack of adjustments and not being able to get anything other than the thirty-first ranked defense out of uh, defense that had the you know uh, tied for the most sacks and all that kind of stuff during the season. Uh, What do you make of this? Like you know my position on Bob Sutton.
0: Yeah, like I think that was pretty clear. Like uh, it was just under the button when we were recording last week, but uh, I think you were very much for his firing, and it came through very quickly afterwards. Um, I think in terms of what you expect from Bob Sutton, that's kind of like. It's a situation where, obviously, Andy Reid believed that the talent wasn't being used appropriately. And even though he's a friend of Andy Reid, obviously, it was an easy decision for him. He felt like, you know, you have, an, you have a window here with Mahomes on his rookie contract to really, like, ramp up and go for a couple of Super Bowls, potentially. So you can't afford to wait around for someone who just doesn't seem to be at the races in terms of adjusting. In terms of Steve Spagnolo, you're looking at someone who's had a very up-and-down uh careers defensive coordinator but his high being very high in particular um that super bowl winning uh defense with the giants um obviously quite famously uh kind of made pit made tom brady's uh life hell uh, and prevented him from getting that yeah. uh getting the perfect season um and you know but he's had some poor defenses the one in new orleans sticks out where they gave up the like, a record amount of yards now to be fair in the seasons where things have gone wrong generally that's been in uh, situations where things were kind of going awry in the organization in general. So he was brought in its DC to replace Greg Williams, obviously after the bounty game thing happened. Yeah. So the team was kind of in a mess right then. And then uh, obviously when when the things were going bad with McAdoo and the Giants, his defense kind of fell off there. So I think with an organization like the Chiefs, which are kind of on the up and Andy Reid is pretty stable, uh, maybe he has a chance to replicate those things. I suppose the one big thing for you, like as a KC fan, it's obviously going to go in depth. Like all of you fans that go in depth, that he's probably going to bring in his uh, four-three scheme, which is yeah. a change from the three-four scheme that uh, Bob Sutton was generally using. So it'll be interesting to see how all the pieces fit into that, and perhaps how certain pieces don't fit into that. Yeah, I think. No, of course. I think you know, talent talent always speaks, and you kind of fit it, try to fit it around. But obviously, there's a fair few contracts lying around in that like Casey defense, which could be questionable. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits in all those pieces. And uh, I know. Yeah, all you fans will be speculating where people go and various places. Yeah, of course. And so like, so is he for the linebacker? Is he a defensive end in that system? Mm. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, like that's what's it's the king.
1: So it's a four three under, so there's a lot there's more crossover than from the traditional three four three uh, four three kind of movement. But um yeah, like there's there's a lot of pieces that'll be interesting. There's some pieces that I think will actually suit better. I mentioned, I think, way back at the start of the season that I noticed that some of the draft positions we were taking were these kind of tweeners or more four-three system kind of guys. So I think that'll be very interesting, and um, we'll obviously go more in depth to this on the off on the during the off season. I'm very much at the point of Steve's so not exactly the most exciting higher in the world, not the most surprising as he just come from the Andy Reid tree, etc. Um, but also, I was literally in the spot of like anyone but Bob Sutton will do okay. If you can get to be the 22nd best defense in the league, I'll be happy with that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes and how, how movements and player contracts develop following on. Your know, Chats have hired Miami Offensive Coordinator Dowell Loggins as their Offensive Coordinator. He's an old Gase lieutenant, so probably to be expected that he's staffing up with some of his own people, Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, unlike, like, I think Spagnola is kind of, it's different because obviously Andy Reid's more of an offensive coach, whereas, like, Dowell Loggins and Gates will probably still be running that offense more or less, probably mm-hmm. sharing, play-calling duties perhaps. But Dowell Loggins, obviously, he has a lot, he's kind of brawling around with nearly ever he's gone, so it's not surprising to see this happen. It just seemed, in fact, it was only surprising that it took this long. I think Miami were kind of maybe afraid of the McDaniel situation occurring again, so we're just kind of holding on to him. But it seems that... Um, obviously with Brian Flores expected to show up in Miami after this week, uh, they were confident enough that they uh, that they were willing to let him go at this point rather than waiting another week. I think for Gase, yeah, it's just a situation where he implements the Gase system and the question of whether it's a good system or not is very much open, but we'll, we'll see next year in the Jets if they can have a more exciting offense with Sam Darnold no, at quarterback.
1: And that AFC East rotation keeps going to so New England. Uh, we, we mentioned there uh, Brian Flowers is expected to go to them, so they are now going to bring in Greg Schiano from from Tampa Bay to look at to take over the defensive coordinator position. Uh, so that is the Jets hiring someone from Miami, and Miami hiring someone from New England. Yeah, like Schiano is completes.
0: like Ciano is like one of these people. Obviously, his reputation due to his time in Tampa Bay is probably at a bit of a low. I think he went back to college for a while, uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a long-term, he's a long-time collaborator with Bill Belichick, so it's not that surprising to see it. Uh, it's like, like whenever I think of angry head coaches, I think of Greg Sciano, Todd Haley, those type of people, and uh, we'll see if he's calmed down a bit when he's in a functional organization or not.
1: No, of course. Uh, we'll fly on to a couple of the injuries. Carolina quarterback Cam Newton has uh, said he's having shoulder surgery. This was to be expected, as they've mentioned towards the back end of the season, he's having issues there. And they've also flagged kind of very vaguely about they will have a plan if he's not ready. But at the moment, it looks like he will. There's, there's nothing to suggest immediately that he wouldn't be ready, apart from a
0: throwaway comment
1: about two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, like, as I said at the time, I think that quote in context would suggest that they expect him to be back, that they will play him uh, unless he's, like, really suffering. Like, unless we're, unless, say, Andrew Luck-type situation suddenly appears out of nowhere, I think, you know, the expectation right now is that he'll be there. Uh, and Carolina will be fine, probably.
1: 100%. Washington, uh, the word from the around the Pro Bowl is Washington are planning to, uh, to enter the 2019 season uh, without quarterback Alex Smith available. This is kind of to be expected if you've been following this at all, so he had a very brutal leg break, and the healing section got infected, so they had to take out the supporting rods and put in a new quite horrible sounding system to support his leg it doesn't look like he'll be ready to go in September and to be honest it's probably a wider question as a 35 year old quarterback who has that serious injury and is going to be out of the game for presumably a year and a half to two years whether or not there is a maybe even a need to be going back he's got some good money guaranteed on the contract and stuff like that already but uh, I think we all kind of expected that Washington wouldn't have Alex Smith going into the start of next year.
0: Yeah, I think this may have come in response to the fact that uh, he was finally seen publicly, I think at a... at a last a game. I think yeah, it. A Wizards game, and obviously his leg right now looks mostly more metal than flesh. Um, so I think that kind of came out became a story, so I think the Mzungus were kind of just like, okay, we need to get ahead of this and just say, yeah, we're going to be moving forward, assuming he's not back. Obviously, that does increase the pressure to have a solution at quarterback. I, I know it's not a really exciting scheme there, but... Obviously, that means that they're definitely in the sweepstakes in terms of all the quarterbacks that will be floating yeah. around, both in free agency and, of course, in the draft. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
1: No, of course. And uh, here, get your engines ready for the for the Super Bowl stuff. Uh, LA Ram's kicker, Greg airline is out with a foot sprain. He said he will play in the Super Bowl. But you can, uh, geez, you can already hear the noise if he misses a kick already. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, apparently, this happened at halftime during the NFC Championship game, and he played through it in the second half um maybe they bring in someone late to kind of take care of kickoffs or something like that uh but i think for 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 field goal kicking duties he'll be kept around uh and i think he'll be except play because it's one game left so you've nothing really to lose but uh, yeah if something does go wrong uh that may become a story so this is more of a put a pin in it keep an eye on it and if they don't take field goals that maybe you think they usually would then you have a good reason to know why
1: yeah, no. Uh, controversy Corner, Oakland, well, I suppose we can't even really call them that anymore, <laughs> can we? The Raiders have uh, let sta- uh, season ticket holders know that they do not currently have a stadium for 2019, but they will stay in touch with them and keep them informed as the decision process is made. <laughs> so they're basically asking the people who hold season tickets to go to the Oakland Coliseum to please keep buying tickets without it necessarily being in Oakland Let
0: alone in the Coliseum. Yeah, like it's just like, you know, like all those Chargers fans, you know, from San Diego are still hanging around. I'm sure if they decide to play all of their games in London or San Antonio or whatever, that all those Raiders, Oakland uh, natives would be just like, oh, yeah, brilliant. Let me just commute, you know, halfway across the world for that. Uh, Yeah, it's like, I think, you know, this is going to be like, you know, after the Super Bowl, probably one of the big news stories along like stuff like Antonio Brown, whatever, that. But like right now, they, they're saying right now, they've admitted, we don't know we're playing next year. Obviously, they're in litigation with the city of Oakland, so that's not exactly a very open relationship right now. So, I like, like, where will they end up? We have no idea. And what will the logistics and effect be on that on the team, which obviously is about to undergo a huge amount of turnover, like with all these new players, etc. And uh, as yeah. alluded to in the question, uh, their head coach slash GM, John Gruden, is a bit... Uh, a bit interesting right now in terms of behavior and how it all kind of pooling together in this one massive mess
1: yeah like we'll come to that when we get to the questions from the listeners but uh but yeah there is a there's a lot of question marks floating around this this Raiders franchise at the moment it's a little bit worrying uh crime and punishment we had a few bits this week uh New Orleans quarterback PJ Williams has been arrested on a drunk driving charge uh i suppose you know, to be expected following that refereeing decision a week and a half ago <laughs>
0: Yeah, sure. Like, like that's that. Like, it, that's partially part of it. Probably some was just stupidity. But um, yeah. Like, this is just seen. He got picked up on a Wednesday night, drinking. Like after making like a traffic violation, and obviously he had a bit of uh, the alcohol on board. Um, obviously, it's a situation where, he, like, usually he'll probably get off with a fine and a warning. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye on, and then the NFL will probably slap on a a two to four game uh, ban as well. Yeah, of course.
1: A uh, Detroit linebacker, Trevor Bates, was arrested after an altercation involving police, which I believe had something to do with an unpaid taxi charge or him disputing that, uh, and they thought he was reacting. But strangely to all this, so he's currently undergoing psychiatric evaluation for what's going on with him.
0: Yeah, like obviously due to the psychiatric evaluation it's hard to know exactly what might have been happening here, but it seems that initially he had a dispute with the taxi driver over an unpaid charge. Police mm. were obviously called because it got quite heated. I like I assume, and then he may have struck uh, like a like a police sergeant. Obviously, that's a fairly large escalation in terms of potential negative outcomes. Quite the jump. Um, so I, obviously, like Trevor Bates, is kind of most like he hasn't been a like an elite guy. He's more of a kind of back-end-of-the-roster kind of guy, but obviously it's disappointing, I suppose, to see, and we'll see how this turns out for him. But, like, for a player of his talent level, you know, this is the kind of thing that could lead you, your career ending uh, very quickly uh, overall.
1: No, of course. And Kansas City wide receiver, running back, kind of punt returner, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, was arrested on marijuana-related charges. Uh, this is very interesting. I believe this was Kent County, I think it is, down there. Um you may have seen them feature on, uh, I believe it was a John Oliver section on the, is it the cash highways, whatever they're called, the ones that the people go and uh, pick people up specifically to try and run money out of them for small infractions,
0: essentially. Yeah, yeah like the, what do you call it, when they seize your property or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: stop and seizure things. It's, uh, yeah. They, they,
0: something corridors, and stuff.
1: but essentially, yeah. Yeah. so this is a place where they have, if I remember this correctly, they have, uh, you can be uh, stopped on suspicion of possession of marijuana. Uh, so if you just look like you might have some on you, so it basically it's an excuse for them to pull over anyone who's black in a car to try and, you know, shake them down for money and seize, uh, stop and seizure to try and just, just gather up assets. So it's a bit of a mess. That said, like, stupid thing to be doing you're from the area so you, should, you probably know you shouldn't be driving around with anything on you in that area uh like in this day and age how anyone who is as rich as any nfl player is doesn't just have someone to carry the small bit of weed around for them instead of them carrying it or something it's beyond me but, all right uh, chris carter <laughs> yeah like this is the thing i just i don't i I, I don't get it but uh but, but overall it's just that thing of like Deathly Top is interesting spot because he's kind of a roster bubbly kind of guy. Uh, I don't think this will be enough to push him over, but I think if it's a close decision between him or like a, a rookie-type player like Pringle or something, this might be the thing that decides it. Uh, also the fact that he's like five years older than him and has had knee surgery. Um, but yeah, so just overall, just a bit silly. Don't be driving around blazing in, in Kent County, from what I gather. Uh, trades, extensions, signings and cuts... Um, Arizona have signed wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald for another year. He's coming back. Uh, one year, $11 million contract with $3 million in incentives. This means that he'll probably be able to push his way up to number two on a, no- a load of the all-time lists, but still be probably three or four seasons away from hitting Randy Moss-level numbers. Uh, obviously, this is a positive for Arizona to be able to have him back in the building, have an experienced receiver there for Rosen as he's developed. Like, Larry Fitzgerald is a really good dude and very good at what he does. Maybe not as good as he was, but, you know, I feel bad that he's going to spend his time... Like, he's going to he's gonna run out the clock on a dead team in Arizona that's going nowhere.
0: Yeah, but well, he's getting paid fairly well for it, so that probably helps as well. <laughs> like, 11 million for... I'd I live in
1: Arizona for 11 to 14 yeah. million to
0: hear, like, you know? It's not... Like, for the level of production he has, it's not an unfair deal for him... And I think obviously he loves that town and I think he wants to keep playing. Like maybe he's seeing people like Tom Brady and he's like, well, I can keep going like that. And obviously I think there is a need there. Obviously like the WR2 is probably like Christian Kirk and like Will Wade, people like that. That's not really like going to light up the scoreboard. You have a young quarterback that you're trying to build around. I think he, like, I think Larry, you know, he appreciates the team enough that he'll, he's doing kind of to a certain side favor, but a very profitable favor. Um, whether we see him kind of return to maybe uh, his kind of uh, Indian summer results, like a thousand yards stuff like that, under Cliff Kingsbury is an open question, uh, obviously. But um, certainly, with an offense-oriented coach, there is a chance that they could, you know, have a fun offense at least, and that would at least mean that he'll have more fun than he had under Steve Wilkes, which obviously was just a, a terrible offensive year all round.
1: Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Chicago have extended their offensive tackle, Bobby Massey, a four-year contract worth circa $8 million a year. Uh, like, I suppose, keep the pieces on the line that were helping Trubisky develop as he was, build from that place outwards. Like, this just seems like overall probably a fairly solid... That's a pretty good price for an OT, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like, a, like offensive tackles, we obviously know they're just, like, insane. Like, Massey was kind of a journeyman. He kind of was like, okay in Arizona, who drafted him, uh, but it seems that under, like, Chicago, and a Matt Nagy in particular this year, he seems to have kind of taken the next step, and if you're in any way, like, a mediocre upwards offensive tackle, you are worth your weight in gold, and I think, like, think it's above 8 million, so probably 8 to 9 million per year is more than reasonable for a starting tackle in the NFL this year. Like, when you see the types of contracts that the free agent tackle will get, you'll be like, this is a goddamn bargain.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. And in Indianapolis, have decided to extend Adam Vinatieri for one year. Uh, this, I think, brings him into his like year forty-six or something. Isn't
0: it? <laughs> Over nine thousand uh, years, you know. Just yeah.
1: So he's getting paid like three point eight or three point nine million dollars, which is a fair chunk of change for a guy who has. Let's be honest, wasn't the best last year by his his own high standards, essentially, but like. I, 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 it's nice, I suppose. He's—I he, think that he's now, as of
0: last year, was spent more time with the Colts. Yeah, but like um, I, I think—I think it's a situation where, like, they obviously like his leadership. He's obviously still pretty solid, and you know, with kickers like it is kind of a situation where, yeah, you can find your next guy and he could just fix it overnight. But we see there's other teams who've been cycling through kickers for years now and then they end up getting kind of screwed over. And it's only a one-year contract. And we've seen, like with Chris Boswell, uh, for example, and uh, in Chicago, obviously, uh, with Cody Parkey, we've seen that, if, you, if you're signing these kind of ones who are in the 20s or, or early 30s, they want multi-year contracts. And then when they get the yips, which is just one of these things that seems to happen to kickers, and then everyone turns against them because, you know, like the Cody mm-hmm. Parkey thing happens, um, it turns into a bit of a mess. Whereas Terry he's been around, he's done it all. And yeah, like he missed like a couple of bad kicks even in the, like in the uh, game against the Chiefs. But, you know, he's got enough like rep built up that he can probably... You know, let that like go and move on to the next kick without being I mean, too worried. Sure, his it, leg it, might be—he might big, be a bit old, and we'll see how big his beard grows next year.
1: It's an interesting comparison you'd rather because like Cody Parkey, so he's now cut from the Bears, but I think they're still paying him three and a half million next year. Not officially cut, cut but, uh, <laughs> but he's gone. Like.
0: Yeah,
1: he's gone. Uh, Indianapolis also extended their guard Glowinski to three-year, eighteen million-dollar deal. Uh, again fairly decent money if you can lock it up and they had good performance even though they're firing their offensive line coach uh in the offseason so uh, we'll see how that goes i suppose we'll move on to the big game from last week the nfc versus afc pro bowl so i had this one called correctly i think you did not uh it was a seven twenty-six drubbing of the nfc by the afc uh AFC defense stood up strong. It was very fitting. I think was it the third quarter that the NFC got their first points in? No, it wasn't until the fourth quarter. It fourth quarter. Actually... So the Jason Garrett coached Pro Bowl team couldn't yeah. score until the fourth quarter. It says yeah. a huge amount. <laughs> AFC defense. Dominated. Jamal Adams got defensive MVP. He had a sack and an interception and a few other nice little bits. And yeah, even... was... oh, well, and he, he, he also took out the Patriots mascot during the <laughs> hospitalized the, the run. him. <laughs>
0: Ended fella. up in the hospital, but yeah. uh, all the Jets fans, I think, like like Jamal Adams. Like, I, we'll talk about the rest of it. But I think Jamal Adams was probably like the guy there who was taking it the most seriously. Obviously, he tackled like uh, the pads uh, mascot, but I think he was really up for this And he's just really up for the idea of like, oh my God, winning competition, a trophy. My God, as a Jets, as a Jets player, I've this is
1: never all seen ahead this. of me. No, it was grass. <laughs> uh good performances all round. Lots of. Fun bits of plays. Uh, Mahomes was the Pro Bowl MVP, uh, which, you know, always nice to see. Good to see him win the biggest award in the sport. The problem is that he stole it from Sausage. Anthony Sherman had a hell of a day. Uh, He had four rushes for 11 yards and a touchdown, and then three catches for 92 yards. He was the Pro Bowl MVP. He looks the best in a singlet or in a actually what 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 would that thing be called? It's like a, a wrestling onesie. Do you remember yeah. I sent everyone around the picture? <laughs> if you want good crack, look up a picture of Anthony Sherman turning up to Chiefs training camp last year, kind of in like a macho man Randy Savage Patriot uh, kind of get up. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. Um, the NFC offense was, to be honest, just a bit a bit shite. Took a lot of sacks, threw a lot of interceptions went for it and failed on fourth down a couple of times. It just nothing was clicking for them at all. Uh, and because of all the interceptions, your favourite player didn't get to play much, did he, Ronan?
0: Yeah, no. Uh, poor Michael Dixon, the punt god, was kind of left like a rum, rumbling on the on the sideline, like a Ferrari kind of been left to do it. He only got four putts in the end with a 43.3 average with one uh, inside the 20. Uh, but yeah, like I think the NFC... Like, the only one who didn't get intercepted um, was Russell Wilson. Um, But he did get sacked, like, five times. Yeah, but, like, that's that's to be expected. Adam Thielen got intercepted as well. So, well done on you. Couldn't even get your trick plays right. But, to be fair, like, the NFC, for all their bad performances, did get the best play of the game, where Mike Evans, in the fourth quarter when the game was basically done, intercepted a pass from Deshaun Watson, I believe, tried to lateral it to Anthony Barr, who then had it fumbled due to a tackle. And because it's the Pro Bowl, no one was really rushing for the ball. So it was just kinda of picked up lazily by Harrison Smith, who then kinda of ran around, lateraled it to Saquon Barkley, who then literally ran basically sideline to sideline, like with about, like actual five to ten yards <laughs> and increase. And then finally got tackled. It was just uh yeah, like there was um there was like a graphic of like the next gen stats like uh, three hundred yards to gain eight yeah. or something there's like a next gen stats like where it shows like where every player went during the play and it's literally just like like the drawing of a three year old child given crayons for the first time <laughs> it's like it's pretty, it nearly broke it apparently oh yeah there's um like the, the issue with some of this is the fact that it was
1: quite rainy so it wasn't really the most didn't lend itself to the most explosive of the plays. There were some great bits and pieces throughout it. Um, I did like at the very end, Jason... Oh, actually, Jason Witten had a couple of absolute stompers in this. So when he was presenting the the trophy to Mahomes, he broke it uh, because he was a (laughs) giant, thundering idiot. He also, when, um, when Mahomes threw the touchdown pass to Eric Ebron, uh, in the coverage, and you can go back and listen to this very good, he was talking about how, well, you know, Ebron's been his guy all year, you know, he's been his safety blanket for <laughs> Like,
0: Jesus Christ, Jake. I do Jesus. love... I st- I love this kind of freaky Friday thing between him and Tony Romo, because obviously when they were playing, Jason Witten was the pro's pro, all, like, professional, you know, always, always right, always Trevor, whereas obviously Tony Romo had a reputation for being a bit scattershot and obviously having, you know, some famous plays where he kind of blew the game, and whereas now that they're both commentating, like, they're both in the booth, like... Jason Witten's now the lumbering idiot breaking trophies as he presented them, whereas Tony Romo is about to go to the Super Bowl uh, with the hype of being the best uh, football commentator of all time, basically That's kind what of rivaling we, John yeah, Madden. We haven't even discussed
1: that as well. That uh, apparently, like uh, reports have been coming in from the news station and stuff that they are now offering a substantial pay increase to Tony Romo to get him to stay there. Uh, yeah. Wade Phillips actually referenced. Tony Romo and his plans for the Super Bowl. Uh, Yeah, we'll mention this now. Uh, So he was asked in the press conference, I think a day or two ago, uh, how do you you plan to deal with Tom Brady? And he said, uh, well, I'm going to call up Tony Romo and have him on the phone and have him tell me every play that's coming so I know exactly what to call on defense. And I was like, nicely played. Nicely played, old man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Wade, Wade was having a lot of fun this year. He's just so, like... As, as busy he's been for like the last five years, he's too old to give a shit and it's good for him and it's good for the NFL that he's uh, kind of walking around strutting his stuff. So. That's it, 100%. So AFC dominate
1: in the Pro Bowl. Uh, great performances from a number of players, but overall, uh, yeah, go AFC. Uh, I suppose we'll move on and take some questions from the listeners. So the first one comes in from Dan, who is a Raiders fan. He says, is John Gruden okay? He doesn't seem to be there all that much mentally. Uh, Yes. So this comes after a year in which (laughs) it's a, yes. So the Raiders are somewhat weird and tanky and he's trading away players and then saying it's very difficult to find types of players. that He's just traded away and all that kind of stuff. And now he was apparently out at the, was it the Pro Bowl or was it the Senior... So he
0: was at the Senior Bowl. He was coaching one of the teams in the Senior yeah, Bowl.
1: Yeah, he was coaching one of the teams in the Senior Bowl. And apparently he was just wandering around to random players, presumably ones he liked, and just putting Raiders stickers on their helmets in a yeah. kind of bagsies, no-take-backsies kind of approach <laughs> or something. Like,
0: this, this doesn't seem like the actions of someone who's all there. <laughs> when you have so many first round picks, you're like, wow, I can just have, I'll have one of those and have one of those. He's like a kid in some kind of store, you know? Uh, (laughs) But like, it's a situation where like, yeah, I don't know what's happening with John Gruden. He's having, I don't know if he's having not enough fun or he's having too much fun, but it just seems like a situation where like his organization is falling around him, but he's probably okay with that. He's kind of like, it's kind of like Brexit. Like, he's like, Well, I'll be okay after Oakland falls apart, please, an organization. Uh, like, because I've got a 10 year contract for 100 million, all guaranteed, as far as I remember. Yeah, so. like, he, he, he can just give up at this point. He's <laughs> so, like, maybe he's living his best life, or maybe he's just he's so used to, like, you know, doing the QB camp. He's like, Oh, yeah, like, I own all the quarterbacks now, but yeah, uh, yeah I have no idea what's going on with John Gruden. Is he okay? He's a he's got a hundred million dollars to be okay. Like I, I wouldn't worry too much about him. But yeah, uh, if hard. I was a Raiders fan, I might be a bit worried.
1: Yeah, I'd be a bit worried. Like I think I think what we'll see is it'll be important to see how this next draft goes, and then see like you know to be worried if he starts selecting fullbacks in the first round or something. You know, like that's proper like going old school, John. Uh, next question comes in from Mike, and it says, "What will you do with your time off post Super Bowl?" Yeah, so I suppose we always have a bit more time. We don't kind of do the weeklies afterwards. We do the one after the Super Bowl, and then we start to spread it out coming in towards draft season and that stuff. Uh, Anything planned, Fitz? Anything exciting?
0: Analyzing the Pro Bowl tape, of course, repeatedly making oh, yeah, yeah. every yeah. I glean every insight that you can from that. Obviously, the NFL offseason doesn't really exist anymore. Like, there's like a two to three week gap between the next thing that shows up between free agency, draft previews, etc. Like oh, that. But uh, of, yeah. there is there is other sports. I think it's just Sunday evenings. You just kind of you have an opportunity to catch up with uh, the things you maybe don't as much uh, during the season. Books, you know, TV, etc. Meeting I've started, people. I've, I've started. I started reading some books again. It's great. Uh yeah. <laughs>
1: Partially in the post Christmas, like have some more books thing, but also in the man. I really need to start doing this instead, because uh, I've got that plus the plus the master, so I can end up doing a lot of time. So uh, yeah, I think I think read some books, chill out. Uh, it'll be good. Nothing, nothing too wild or crazy. Uh, you know, start start drawing up our own offensive plans and then emailing them to uh, to all of the all of the different uh, all the different teams see if we can get ourselves some job offers coming in
0: <laughs> yeah it's going to watch all that all 22 footage just all off season don't Oh oh yeah, just,
1: just 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 it you know just to have <laughs> ha- somehow have less of a life when the season is just not like on
0: octobox it you know oh man the octobox you're <laughs> all octobox 22. all
1: 22 <laughs> oh my god my brain hurts is thinking about what that would look like uh, next up comes in from Steve. and He says, any suggestions for party games or stuff like that for Super Bowl watching on Sunday?
0: I'm trying to think now. Uh, there's Drink the Beer. That's a pretty good game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can create accoutrements around it to make it more gamey or whatever like that. That's true. Uh, flippy Cup and, and board games and whatever. Kind yeah, of rules I think, I think we're, do, we're,
1: we're doing board games before ours. Uh, and that's both, yeah. that's both a, like kind of, you know... Relax everyone in, get the because everyone has to land a little bit earlier, but also so that like, people who are less interested in the
0: football side of things and more for like yeah. the drinking party
1: side of things can enjoy themselves as
0: well. And I, of course, it's important to, to remember for any of our American listeners that over here it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like yeah, it's, it's in the middle going... of the night here, so, <laughs> so it literally you're... kicks off at like quarter to midnight. Because I think when we watched the um, the Monday night football game with uh, KC and the Rams like it was just a treat me you and harry watching football so it's just a very yeah it's a very different atmosphere than kind of yeah the super bowl where you obviously have all these people slowly falling away disappearing without a without even a buy-off yeah. and that's the thing like with with varying levels of interest and
1: yeah. knowledge as well so kind of yeah you can you'll end up kind of getting sectioned off i'm trying to think uh well what you can do is like you can pick your favorite bits of calls and then have a drinking game around those one that we used to play actually I think you played this with me go a Galway a few times. If you've got the American feed, what you can do is you pick one of the common types of ads, and then you have to drink every time one of those ads comes on. So what we did was we had half of the room had trucks, and the other half had Viagra. Yeah. And that was great. Be be fair, actually,
0: you do get less of them during the Super Bowl, unfortunately, relative to, the, relative to the regular season.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's not like everything isn't just Ford F-50. <laughs> or, uh, oh, it's got military-grade steel underneath it for...
0: Driving around the town. Here's some real people and it's like... oh, I can't believe this is a Ford. (laughs) I can't believe that, you know, Viagra is the most reliable method to get an erection. The the personal favourite one we had (laughs) was we
1: had one that was a combination uh, truck uh, Viagra where Viagra fell down a load of steps and eventually bounced into what looked like a Nissan Micra and suddenly beefed it up into like a Duke four by four. It was the weirdest thing I'd seen. Um, but yeah, so there's a few bits like that. Uh, and then just, just, just lots of random side bits and pieces. Uh, yeah, well, well, if we think of any, we'll throw them up on the page, but, uh, but no, it was good fun. And finally, uh, is there any point in watching the game this Sunday, given the big and most important game just happened in Florida? No, frankly, uh, all you're doing is you're scouting tape for people who might be in the Pro Bowl next year to try and see how they might fit into your plans. Uh, like this is this this is where you can see those young up and comers who might be able to, to to make it into the Pro Bowl next year.
0: Yeah, like the, I, like the, the Super Bowl is kind of like the epilogue, you know. You know, you just it's like things the to play off. You know, like the NFL used to put the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl because it like it, but it was too exciting. Like you had all that Pro Bowl action, and you're like, well, I, I don't have any football for like you know half a year now, and people were just like it was just you know too bad like it was kind of like going cold turkey on heroin. So now you got the Super Bowl to come down for the Pro Bowl uh, and make sure you know you get a little bit of that football before we go into the long off season and you kind of you know calm down a bit. So the Super Bowl is kind of like the methadone to the heroin of uh, Pro Bowl and uh, you know it, like it's not as good obviously uh, as I would know uh, definitely. No, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, but
1: it does the job, right? Yeah, like it's, it's worth watching, you know, get that fix. It's like how you'll occasionally watch a Canadian League game just, you know, just to see what it's like. And it's weird. Or the, or the A-A-F-L, this
0: AAFL this year.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah the is king enough. We'll have to have a look at who's actually... Because I'm sure there'll be some names in there that you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember when we drafted Jack him. yeah, of course. Mm. Ah, that's where Brody Croyle is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, that'll do for the questions now. As always, send them in to us and we will answer them if we can. And we're going to move on and take a look at Super Bowl... Is it 52 now? 52?
0: I think it's 53, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's 53. And since Super Bowl 52 is now past, we're going to focus up on Super Bowl 53. LA Rams versus the New England Patriots down in Atlanta. Uh, we'll kick off, I suppose, with uh, our picks. I... It's it. I have to go for New England in this one. Harry, or Fitz, you've gone for New England, and Harry, uh, in his absence, we've decided he's going to go for the Rams. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling, though, he'll be going for for New England. Um, Yeah, this should be a good one. So just for a bit of context, it's obviously, it's on down in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta Atlanta residents are somewhat happy to see this being the matchup. They obviously don't necessarily want New England to win, uh, given the 28-3 fiasco from two, three years ago. But, uh, they absolutely despised the New Orleans Saints so an even greater passion. So uh, a Saints-New England game would have actually been the worst thing in the world for them. So they'll all be... All the locals will be presumably cheering on the Rams in this instance. Um, they've also... If you want to get a nice bit of spicy chicken during the game, it will not be available to you. Chick-fil-A, who have a setup inside the Mercedes-Dome Stadium, have decided to stand strong on their belief that they should not work on Sundays uh, for religious reasons. So will also not be opening for the Super Bowl, when they could literally charge ten times what they are and still get it sold. Uh, but on that, all the concessions are staying at the regular prices. So Atlanta are one of the stadiums who decided to go for cheap concessions, so like $5 beers and stuff like that. Uh, it's worked out very well for them, and they're not going to take this as a chance to jump those prices. So fair dues to them. I, I, I quite like that as an approach.
0: Yeah, like it, it's it's very generous to, you know, provide cheaper concessions in exchange for millions of, you know, subsidies from the taxpayer. A hundred percent. We're we going to extract a little bit less profit now in exchange for all that profit we took from you uh, like a few but years ago.
1: That's kind of thing. Like if, if my tax, I was going to build a stadium, I don't <laughs> want to then also have to pay $15 a beer in the place, you know? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kick off with a few of the bits and then at halftime, we'll take a break and we'll have a look at maybe the halftime show and a few bits that are coming in there. And then we'll come back in to wrap it up and then see where we think the key points in the game are going to be. So first up the coaches, uh, This is the old versus new, probably the main storyline that we're seeing outside of the quarterbacks in this is this Belichick versus McVeigh storyline, Belichick being the old master, McVeigh being this new upstart who's kind of changing the game or looking at it a different way. Um, this is a very tough one to call. I'm always going to shade towards Belichick because he's done it so many times and he's done it so many different ways that it's very hard to... And you've seen them even coming out against... like Because the Chargers and the Chiefs were both teams that on paper have better rosters in them. And they came out and executed excellent game plans against the pair of them. McVeigh, they got it done last week. Their defense has been stepping up. Their offense, once their communications issues kind of got a little bit better. But they've been lacking some of that spark since they lost Cooper Cup and a few people like that during the season. This is a spot where I could see McVeigh coming out and doing exciting things. I could see him scheming up stuff. And maybe throwing stuff that Belichick wouldn't be expecting. But I'm gonna shade it to the to the to the old Sith Lord in this one, you know?
0: Yeah, like I, I agree completely. Like I would even be much stronger and I think Bill Belichick, like in the playoffs in particular but obviously during the regular season they did a good enough job has been basically scheming up the perfect game to overcome the fact that yes, they are a less talented roster right now. Like if you look at the offense, it's like a like a Gronkowski who's definitely not the same player it's like Julian Edelman, who is obviously a great slot receiver, but he's only a slot receiver, and then obviously getting his run game going. But like what he's done in both the games against the offensive heavyweights of the of the Chargers and the Chiefs, take the ball away, don't give it to them. And it was all schemed up perfectly, obviously along with the uh, offensive line coach getting lots of uh, help now, is Um So I think with Belichick, I just think his ability to have a different separate play, like game uh, on both offense and on defense, obviously McDaniels has a, an influence on the offense, is just unparalleled. And I think, in th- this year has perhaps been mo- his most impressive work in a few years where he, like, the, obviously the talent deficiency has been ever more obvious. And it's obvious that Tom Brady isn't perhaps quite where he was a couple of years ago. There's certainly been an, a dropout, particularly on the deep balls. So I look at McVay, obviously he's got Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator. He's, like, he runs a fairly, he usually runs the same scheme, but he makes the most of the talent. Whereas McVay, I think McVay... It's brilliant. He obviously has like an encyclopedic understanding of football, and his ability to remember stuff like randomly is crazy. Uh, But That's, that's overblown a bit. But yeah, I think. But I think to a certain extent, during the back half of the season, after they obviously you know basically post that Kansas City game. The offense slowed down. Todd Gurley's obviously picked up an injury, so they haven't been able to rely on him as much. C.J. Anderson's picked up some of the lot, but they're still not as dynamic as a running game. And, you know, the entire pass game with Jared Goff has just been way more inconsistent. And you haven't got the feeling that McVay has necessarily adjusted to the same extent, except through necessity. He's kind of gone back to basics, and they've done well enough because their offensive line is pretty good um, like their offensive line is good and they have the talent there to make do but is he is he maximizing is he drawing every little drop of energy or, or possibility out of, that, out of that team I would say maybe not at the moment because they were just so much better earlier in the season but of course you know if the talent is better you always have a chance and he's obviously a really 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 good coach he's just not anywhere near the Belichick uh, level but that's true of every other coach in the league so oh, there's nothing course. wrong with that like
1: that's it. So I think we're both in agreement there, shades towards that. So let's go. First half of this game, New England offense versus LA Rams defense. We'll start on the New England offense. So we've seen a couple of different variations of this run out even in the game against the Chiefs the the first half they were a run heavy clock-killing machine. They were featuring Michelle, they were featuring White, they were using Gronk. They were just slow, pound it, just 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 control time and control the game but then in the second half and especially when we got into the overtime we saw them go back to that short rhythm passing Edelman showing up Gronk showing up White showing up like all these guys being able to do it one what offense do you think we're going to see show up in this game and two do you which one do you think they are more likely
0: to find success with I think like like the way like when i look at the the talent on the rams defense and we'll talk about that more in detail right now but like on terms of like the like the people who they're going to build their scheme around obviously the like people like donald sue uh, like a keep to leave Marcus Peters, etc. But I think when you look at the core of that team, like you know the linebackers and the safeties, like I, I like I rate like Marcus Joyner, but the other kind of guys in there, Corey Littleton, he's an exciting player, but I don't think, and he's very athletic, but he doesn't necessarily have the kind of he's not he hasn't been in the league long enough really to kind of be uh like read the game perhaps as well as other people. Like at safety, like they're playing like someone like John Johnson, and they're playing players like uh, Ebukam who had like like one good game against the Chiefs. So I think that kind of suits the New England... Like the classic... Well, I'd say like the New England offence from a couple of years ago... Like the one of short passing, heavy on Julie Edelman, heavy on James White, heavy on Krokarski, just attacking those kind of seam routes, those crossing patterns, stressing those linebackers, and kind of taking away the strengths of that defense, basically. Because if you if those kind of patterns obviously are generally associated with quick throws, obviously they're kind of they, they go away from Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters, who are probably the two best defensive backs, and it just like I think there's a weakness there, and I think New England, even though they've obviously gone to the run really heavily this season, particularly with Sony Michel. When I look at this defence, I think they'll obviously still do that and they'll sit dedicated to that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they actually went right down Donald's throat and tested him as a run blocker and kept him disciplined by basically saying, you know, if you want to be if you want to be undisciplined and try to get to the quarterback, we're just going to push you around and run right, right past you. Um, but I think the way they'll get their most success is focusing on those kind of stressors for linebackers, safeties, etc. Like we saw in that NFC championship game, Alvin Kamara had a lot of success coming out of the backfield and James White is ju- well, he's not as good as Alvin Kamara, but he's certainly shown in Super Bowls and in the seasons past that he's a very good receiving weapon. And I think Rex Burkhead might be the joker here because on, like I think with White, you might have, you probably expect kind of short passes or dump offs with Michelle. Like he's a pure runner, mostly. Like the he, like he like the amount of time that he has a fullback with him is is ridiculous basically. Uh but Burke someone who can kind of beat both. And uh, don't be expect. And uh, I suppose here's my prediction, my my bold prediction. I think one of the big plays in this game might end up being like a wheel ride or something to Devlin, uh to the fullback chain, the like Devlin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think that could be kind of play that could make and like that they'll pull out at a key juncture of the game. I don't know if that's gonna be early or, or however the game flow goes, but. Uh, uh, that's something I kind of expect to see Very so I think it yeah. won't be as run heavy as we've seen previously particularly in the two uh in the playoffs I think that's not where the weakness of this Rams defense is I think they're going to attack the kind of traditional weaknesses that or the traditional places that New England have looked so good in the past and certainly Brady is brilliant at doing that stuff you see
1: because like that's that's kind of what I've been thinking as well because I've been looking at this LA defense and saying their issue is their linebackers they're not fast enough they're not Strong enough, and that's why I I I think you could see a lot of the running backs in here, but a lot of running backs in the passing game. So basically, putting two backs in, splitting out, throwing to them, and then making them run into space, making the linebackers chase them. I think that's what they're gonna try and get. Because when we look, and we'll move on to the the defenses. You kind of started on it there. Like They've got two excellent players on that line in Donald and Sue. They've got Fowler, who has looked quite good in the last two or three games, much better than he did in his time in Jacksonville, to be honest, uh, com- coming off the edge. Outside of that, there's not a huge amount until you hit that secondary. Like you said, there's some players who have stepped up in random spots, but nothing consistent. The key to this is, one, is obviously, and the, everyone always says this, is this, get pressure on Brady up the middle, force him out of the pocket. He's not good out of the pocket, and do that while you're rushing four. They don't have an outside threat, so that can probably allow Tlaib and Peters to bite in a little bit closer, which lends itself to Peters' game to an extent. But what they need to do with that is do like just put that little surprise in there. Have someone just run some like some 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 double moves, some some stopping goes and stuff on him because he will bite on them all day. What I think this defense needs to do is they need to start showing a very un they. They need to not use the types of fronts and the types of shows that they have up to this point. They can run the exact same plays all they want, but don't let them be keyed in on because one of the things that will kill you and one of the things that killed us with Bob Sutton against New England was the fact that they were able to diagnose where the pressure was coming from on nearly all those plays by the fact that the defences were aligning in very similar spots to how they would have every time they've made those plays. So they need to mix that up to just throw them off a little bit, not make it be as clean at the line because that's the thing jam the receivers on the outside make them hesitate a second and then there's a lot more chance for getting something off Tom Brady i'm not sure if this defense is going to be good enough at all the levels to do it because like we said if those linebackers are a mess just start sending short crosses and slants across them like you know but like i think that's i think that's the i think that's the rams best approach is to start doing a lot of heavy press man, and then just try and disguise where the pressure in the interior is coming from.
0: Yeah, and they need to be disciplined against the run. Like I said there, like they, they, they were really good against the Saints in the NFC Championship, so I'm given respect that Wade Phillips and that defensive line has kind of figured it out, but they do need to be disciplined. Donald in particular, I know he gets... Like he would likely to get like a splash play or two playing his traditional game just because he's so good at getting through the line, but he could easily get washed out by that offensive line which is playing so well right now. I think you know we have to talk about the fact that like Nickel Robbie Coleman who obviously was very lucky to get away with that uh, phantom and PI. So like talking shit about yeah. Brady. Like and he doctor. he he's probably going to be up against the most important receiver for New England, uh, which is like Edelman who's been on fire. Uh, for the last month or so. So he's going to have to. You I, know, I reckon Edelman's back on the pads. Yeah, pull, yeah, basically, probably. So he's going to have to pull up or shut up because he, like we saw against, like with the Kansas City game, that, you know, if you allow Julian Edelman to just be at the six for 10 yards every single time, doesn't matter how good you are in first and second down, you're still going to end up losing. And then I think, like, Lamarcus Joyner and John Johnson, the safeties, like, we saw a bit more Gronkowski sprinkled in against KC. It could very easily be his last game. So there's no reason that they're not going to unleash Gronk as much as possible in the pass game if they think that's where they are. So those safeties are going to be stressed highly to see if they can stick with Gronk and what Gronk's got left in the tank. So I think, um, like, I, like the, yeah, I think the biggest problem for the Rams defense is that you line up all the best players and you're like, they're all the positions which you really don't expect to affect New England's game the most. Like those, those, those cornerbacks that are so good on the outside don't really matter. Cause like they're covering Cordell Patterson and, and like, uh, and such and like that's not really that important and then donald obviously he's so good he can wreck any play but if if new england keep keep enough runs going then he's like his his um his ability as a run stopper he can be exposed as a run stopper because he does love to yeah. do that swim move and the swim move is great if you get through but it can easily get, allows you to get pushed out of the uh, lane as well if you're not keeping discipline so uh, like I, I like I think the defense is enough talent that certainly um, there's no reason that they can't like make New England's like life pretty hard. But it's certainly a case where I don't think the matchup of their best talent versus New England's best offensive talent isn't really the best for them. I'd say
1: no, of course. Uh, so now we've hit our halftime. Uh, some very bland, uninspiring music is coming on, swelling <laughs> in the background. Uh, so when Maroon five, come on. Uh, what are you gonna do? Like you know, gonna go for a walk just to. Use that as toilet <laughs> time. What, what, what are you thinking? Uh, Maroon 5 are a terrible choice of halftime act. I say I this. they are a terrible choice. You saw what happened to sports fans during the World Cup last year whenever they had to listen to them every fucking time on that ad about the car that wouldn't let a kid go walk in front of traffic. And if I was that kid and I had to hear that every time, I'd want to walk in front of the fucking yeah. traffic. But they have added a couple of interesting pieces. I think we mentioned this in the previous podcast Uh. Big Boy and a few of the rappers are there, and there's a big question mark over whether or not potentially Andre 2000 will actually turn up as well. And we might get an Outcast song out of it. Uh, so if that was to happen, it would be interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to this halftime show. I think like
0: apparently, like one of the big things is, and this is this is where we both show we're a little bit past it in terms of popular culture, is that there was a there's like a like a like there's a song from basically SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, we uh, Victory. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited sweet, for this. Sweet, sweet victory, something like that, basically. Yeah. Uh, so it's quite well known, and I, I think one of the uh, like the creator of Punch Out Square died uh, last year. Um, so the there's voice a...
1: actor for Squidward is coming in. Yeah, been listed so on the.
0: It, it's pretty much confirmed at this point. So that's what people are kind of worried about. That will they ruin it? Because it's kind of a rock '80s type rock ballad. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be an arena rock kind of. One, just the main story like maroon 5 like like i don't like them they're not great uh they did get greeting during the world cup but that's an advertisement thing i don't blame yeah. them for that necessarily uh and like you know compared to some of the terrible ones we've seen previously black eyed peas coldplay like the who were actually really bad yeah um, i don't think they'll be too bad i think they'll be like like they'll be kind of like like lower mid table basically in terms of it Yeah, like this, thing, this they're is they're the not as offensively I, I, bland as Coldplay. Like Coldplay is so about bland. To,
1: I was about to say I'll rank Maroon five above Coldplay. Yeah. But like like I'd 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 take that pretty pretty poor Justin Timberlake halftime show from last year over Maroon Five.
0: Like Ah yeah, but like Timberlake was kind of into it and like and that was the audio stuff was kind of his fault yeah. to be honest. Like he, he was trying to do too much theatrics and like not enough of yeah. the actual well, yeah, so
1: like Maroon 5, yeah, like I, I was going to mention this Squidward thing. Like it says a lot when, you know, you're the halftime actor. <laughs> the two main stories about your show are there's a guy who voices a cartoon character of a cartoon that's not been on the telly for a long time because the Internet wants it. And the other story is, will another musician show up and they'll do a song without you? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think I think what we do is we line up some Outcast on like Spotify, and then we just listen to the Outcast, and we just go like, yeah, this is Atlanta. <laughs> uh, right back into the second half of the game. Next up, we have the LA Rams offense taking on the New England defense. So LA offense is an interesting one to have a look at. Like we said, they've lacked some of the explosiveness since they lost their second receiver uh, earlier on in Cooper Cup, and I think they also had another one. Was it? Um, they had, was it LaFell they had who got injured as well? or No, it,
0: Cup was the only one of real significance.
1: Yeah, I think they had a backup to Cup yeah. who also got injured. Um, so this is a spot where obviously they've got their one major ga- one major receiver, Cooks, who is going to be the one. They've gotten some production out of their collection of tight ends there over the last couple of games as well. Some There's Gerald Everett and a few people like that. Um, The big question mark, especially coming out of last, or not last week at this point, week and a half ago's game, is the run game. So CJ Anderson has been running exceptionally well for them and getting very good production. Todd Gurley looked atrocious in the championship game. He was directly responsible for at least one, if not two, of those turnovers. Like, he claims he isn't injured, but was on the bike on the side and yeah, there's just a lot of stuff going on for a guy who essentially was this offense, was a, you know, a cheat code in NFL fantasy games. Will Gurley be back? Will they be able to use him? Because even him as a distraction piece, because he can also catch the football out of the backfield. And wow. stuff. <laughs> well, this is the thing, if, he is, if he's playing correctly, the last time he didn't and he caused lots of problems. How do you see this LA offense running? Because like, it's not the strongest defense in the world. The Patriots will scheme well. And given that they have a very direct weapon, such as they have one wide receiver that you really need to keep an eye on, whoever's in the backfield, they need to keep an eye on. Beyond that, there's not as much. Is this an offense that can find success again? Or is this one that is exploitable by the Pats? Uh,
0: like. We don't really know what the story is with the with the Rams offense. I think you've correctly diagnosed that it's kind of been in flux since the end of the season because at the like you know obviously the pass offense was really like uh, like explosive throughout most of the season and obviously Todd Gurley was God Gurley. He was getting you know over a hundred yards every game, uh, but just like since the injury, he's been not the same. So I think the big difference that means is that like see, Jenderson is pretty good. But I think New England will scheme and I think they'll like they'll put an extra like maybe linebacker in the box to take away the run. Because I genuinely think that they their preference would be to force it onto Goff, because like New England's defence, as we'll talk about briefly, is probably their like I think they have the secondary players where they feel they can be confident enough to do enough to stop cooks. And to be fair, Robert Woods is probably the other one who's worth keeping an eye on. Um Josh Reynolds is like their like, their wide receiver tree, he's okay. But obviously, he's a fairly significant drop down for Cooper Cup. So I think for the Rams' offense, this is, you know, this is kind of making the legend, making the story of Jared Goff. Like, similar... Uh, like, But unlike, say, Tom Brady, when he got his first Super Bowl, he doesn't have, perhaps, a defense that's going to bail him out. Like, maybe they could. The defense has enough talent, but I don't really see that happening. I think that the, the New England can certainly score points here. So I'm looking at this LA offense, and it's all going through golf. And obviously, you know, it's been well documented on my side that I'm not a huge believer in golf. And I think the big thing for for them will be can Goff make adjustments on the fly? Can he respond to what's going to happen? Because I think the big thing that New England's going to be throwing at him. I know I'm kind of mixing these up to a certain extent, but I think the big thing that Bill Belichick is going to do, similar to what he did with the Chargers, is to have a disguise coverage, having that kind of Ravens-type front and basically yeah. nullifying the effect of Sean McVeigh because obviously he like the, it cuts off 15 seconds with uh, the last 15 seconds uh, or the first 15 seconds. but Basically, it cuts last off. 15. Yeah, for the last few seconds, it's cut off. So don't be surprised if New England are doing lots of fancy stuff on the back end or moving people around to confuse Goff. And Goff, like, I think he's got all the talent in the world. He plays really well. But I just think when he's confused, he is prone to making mistakes. He is prone to getting sacked. He is prone, prone to throwing an interception or two. McVeigh does an amazing job of kind of like, like ameliorating that. But for LA, it, it's going to come down to Goff at some point, Dan. This will be the making of him. To be fair, in terms of his reputation going forward as a quarterback, um, is he is he simply just McVeigh's puppet, or is he someone who actually has the potential to move on to become a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, that type of quarterback? I'm with, I'm with you hundred percent. But what I'd be thinking in this spot,
1: like, you know, this is obviously spitball but like if I if I, if I'm sitting there and I'm McVeigh spot, and I know that that's exactly what Billachek is going to try and do. If I start seeing them lining up like that and just trying to make changes with, like, if they if if they're lining up and then adjusting with twelve seconds left on the play clock or whatever, I am building in five six game six play sections into my game and say we're preparing this this is a this is b this is c right these are three or four different sets of hurry up systems you can run that will provide five or six plays and you go out there and you start running them when there's like 17 18 19 seconds on the clock if they don't want to set their defenses then we're going to play quick and we're going to screw them over so they
0: have to start showing it to us but if you're going to play hurry up offense you need to trust your quarterback you need to believe that your quarterback can like obviously get everyone moving very quickly, to, to but then you can quickly do, see what the defense but is to doing. to an extent
1: you do, but if they're not set on defense, if they're not in position, then you can exploit that if you're a fucking high school quarterback. like If they are literally going flat line to disguise what their coverages are, and you just run a couple of outs and stuff like that, you're not going to get the yardage you want, you're not going to get the big plays you want, but you're going to start to tear them up because they're not getting themselves set.
0: Yeah, but it is also a situation when you go no huddle... And if the quarterback doesn't know exactly what they're doing, then that's the kind of situation where that's you get two weeks to prepare. That's, Ronan. that's where that's where, you know, a quarterback who doesn't who, who's not as confident in his own play recognition abilities or is too confident in them uh, control pick. And obviously uh, the turnover battle is obviously usually very important. And in a game where the score could rise up quite quickly, that that's probably still true.
1: Um, that, that kind of brings us to the New England defense here. Because like I said, like you were saying you reckon they're going to sell out to stop the run. They're happy with their defensive backs in the McCourties. They reckon that they're going to be able to pressure and disguise Goff to try and cut out McFay. Is that the key to this game? Is it them being able to nullify the impact of him in Goff's ear?
0: Yeah, like I think the New England defense in the playoffs has kind of took an even higher step before. Uh, like, their defensive backs, like Stephon Gilmore and the McCur- like McCurdys, are playing incredibly well. Um, it's just a well-oiled machine. And obviously, the talent isn't amazing. Like, Calvin Noy would probably not be like, uh, like it would is a marginal starting linebacker most other defenses but they are all disciplined they all know exactly what they're doing and like you know what we saw in that Chargers game for example is that with two weeks preparation Bill Belichick basically had a completely different defense than they had during the regular season yeah. basically copying Baltimore's homework so like like that like I'm kind of suggesting maybe they'll maybe they'll bring that out again but because it's Bill Belichick there could be all types of different twists and changes on that defense versus that I think like uh, but as I said, I definitely think one thing that they will do is that, yeah, they'll try to stop the run. And, yeah, I think that mind games between Belichick, obviously he's a defense, like, Belichick's defense and McVeigh's offensive minds, like, they're actually kind of directly sparring with this matchup. And, obviously, that 15-second window could become so key. Uh, and I think they'll look to the pressure off. Like, obviously, they got so much pressure on Mahomes in that first half. And unlike, I think, like, like the only reason that, like... uh like, the KC got back into the game, as it were, in the AFC Championship, because Mahomes is just so ridiculously talented that he can just get, like, 50-yard bombs out of nothing. I haven't seen that out of Jared Goff as much. Um, I think, like, most of his longer throws have been kind of schemed up so well that the guy was basically open. So it'll be interesting to see whether, um, like, they try to go more up to I think, like, the one thing that the Rams... Can do, or that New England can be caught by is the big play. I think that they can be caught if you scheme up well enough, and they have like with Cooks, you know, you have someone like Tyree Hill. Can they do? do does McBay have the Andy Reid capability to scheme up all these fancy plays beforehand, and obviously communicate it to his quarterback and is Jared Goff good enough to implement them? If they can't do that, then this New England defense, I think, is going to clamp down on them and make them work really hard for it. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be a shutdown defense. Uh, like I hope it's not similar to the to, to the first halves and the other two games in the AFC playoffs, but certainly they have form of shutting down good offenses. So and for the Rams offense, which is just so you know different and not really certain of its identity right now, that could actually be an advantage to a certain extent because. You know, you don't really know what they're doing yet. Yeah, so it could be like, it
1: could be that thing of the because yeah, there's
0: nothing there. They just install like, something new in the two weeks kind it, of thing. It's two. It's two completely different reasons for having no idea what these two units yeah. will do. <laughs> One is because of like Bill Belichick's ability to create amazing defenses, uh, like week to week. One is because the LA Rams offense template has fallen apart due to Gurley's injury and like losses and stuff like that. But maybe in the end, that might end up being good for the Rams that they're playing a CJ Anderson run-heavy game. Uh, at a point where people weren 't expecting that like a month ago no
1: but, uh, so what's your what 's your score prediction I've
0: got my... uh, like I think it will be relatively high scoring I think it'll be mostly touchdowns so i 'm going to go for uh thirty to thirty four new england
1: okay That's actually it 's very close that 's very close to what I was thinking so I have thirty four twenty seven but I have that with um I'm thinking it's going to be a defensive stop on the part of of New England, that it's going to be the Rams driving down, going for the touchdown. Maybe even having the option to, like, should we kick the field goal and try and get the onside, and then going, no, we're down,
0: we've made it this far, we do or we don't at this point, and then not getting it on fourth down. And remember the Faustian bargain, like... Obviously New England have been at too many Super Bowls and we're all kind of annoyed about it. But at least New England when they've been in the Super Bowl have made exciting Super Bowls happen. If yeah. they start having boring blowout Super Bowls, either way, like like losing or winning, uh like I'm gonna get super even super pissed off at New England for continuing oh, to get to these get to these games. As long as they keep up their end of the bargain and do crazy shit and twenty-eight and three and like the you know pass run Seahawks and like yeah, yeah. Nick Foles Philly special, uh, Vinatieri scoring like a like you know way back you know Vinatieri scoring game uh, game winning kicks if, if they keep doing that kind of stuff in Super Bowls, I'll tolerate it. Uh, oh,
1: <laughs> so yeah, so we'll have to see now. So uh, that'll wrap us up for now, just until the big game. So uh, you're coming up to Dublin, aren't you? Yeah party times we'll have the crack we're over in Cian's Gaff playing board games drinking and, and watching some sports ball uh, I'll see I think Sean might be up as well there's a few people who said they might be about uh, I think we've got good numbers at the moment so uh, that'll be good I, I must again say to Keen if he wants to power the deep fryer uh, nothing <laughs> nothing like a load of deep fried food and actually nothing more dangerous than a deep fryer smelling of delicious food around a dog that I'm pretty sure would just jump at it uh, <laughs> Jesus yeah uh, but no, any other crack for the rest of the week? Or are you just gonna try and get yourself ready?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like uh, assuming the snow isn't too bad this evening, then uh, just working away and uh, kind of whittling down the hours to the big game. Yeah, that's it. I
1: think I'm uh, pretty similar myself. Uh, yeah, gonna try and get some sleep in, so I'm, uh, you know, pumped and ready <laughs> to go. Because uh, I am exhausted at the moment.
0: <laughs> Cue the epic sleeping montage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta rest to
1: have the energy, <laughs> uh, but no, that'll really be good. So that's uh, as always. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and all those kind of things if you want to send us messages, question, uh, you know, uh, any- anything at all. Your weird fanfics, uh, all that kind of stuff is is more than welcome. Uh, so I suppose that'll wraps up for now. It's bye for myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks very much for listening. we will chat to you next week.